Yeah, yeah. Ball so hard, you better believe me, it's scary. It's basketball at the bar with Calvin and Barry. So put a tip in the jar, cause these dudes can really fill it up. Whether it's buckets you need enough just a beer in a cup. We're here for fresh conversations. Got some delicious libations. Subscribe to the channel and turn on the notifications. My boys got you covered like you being guarded by pay. From the glove to the cloth and everyone else in between. Calvin and Barry got everything that you need. So sit back, relax, because we're starting the show. It's basketball at the bar. Grab your drinks and let's go. Yeah, yeah. Grab a drink and let's go. Subscribe to the channel and turn on the notifications. Subscribe to the channel and turn on the notifications. Let's get it. What up, ballers? Welcome to Basketball at the Bar. Join us live every weekday for the best NBA podcast here on YouTube, where the takes are hot and the drinks are cold. There's no dress code, and you can take us wherever you go. So pull up a stool, drop a like, and don't forget to subscribe. This is Basketball at the Bar. Grab your drinks, and let's go. Happy hump day, Calvin. It's Wednesday. Yes, happy hump day, Barry. Uh, Happy... Well, I was assuming Mike was going to be the first one in the chat here, but happy uh, win last night. Mavericks are still alive. They You're are. Welcome. It looks like you are in, uh, enjoying your time at the beach today. Uh, I am very jealous. I am uh, coming at you live from the kitchen in Windsor, California. Uh, still having fun here with the fam. All right. Shout out to everybody in the chat. Progressive G, what up? Thank you for joining us today. We got a full menu for you guys today. We're going to recap Tuesday's game. Exciting victory. Uh, the first victory for the Dallas Mavericks since game seven over the Phoenix Suns. We're going to discuss the all NBA first team as it's been officially released. Uh, the Nets apparently are unwilling to sign Kyrie Irving to a long term extension. We're going to give our thoughts on that. And then we're going to go over a preview for today's game. We're going to touch on some injuries. We're going to talk about the Boston defense and who has the momentum in the series at this point. Before we end the show, as always, with Q&A, you guys, you guys have questions. We have answers and uh, another fun show. So make sure you guys hit the like button, hit subscribe. Make sure you stay tuned to the end. And also, we appreciate you guys so much for watching. So thank you, guys. Calvin, let's jump into it. Let's do it. All right, so the Golden State Warriors, they've been in Dallas. Uh, they played game four in Dallas last night, and they lose 119-109, the first loss for the Warriors in this series. Luka Doncic scores 30 points. Steph Curry scores 20 points. The Mavericks go on to win this game. The most important stat for me in this game is three-point shooting for the Mavericks. They are finally able to make some threes. Four threes for Dorian Finney-Smith, six threes for Reggie Bullock, three for Luka Doncic, one for Jalen Brunson, two for Maxi Kleba, uh, one for Bertans, two for Dinwiddie, and one for Frank the Tank, Frank Nilakina. We haven't really talked much about him, but Mavericks win. <clears throat> Calvin, first thoughts on the victory. Well, you're right. I mean, anytime we talk about the Dallas Mavericks, it's always about three-point shooting. Uh, I mean, certainly you talk about Luka Doncic as well, um, and he had another phenomenal game, just an assist away from a 30-point triple-double, but we've come so accustomed to these numbers at this point now in, in the postseason for him that even though you still talk about him, you expect 
that kind of performance every game, no matter what. The the thing for the Mavericks, whether they win or not, is how well the other guys shoot from outside. Uh, and it's funny because I actually tweeted at the end of the first quarter, the Mavericks went 7-12 from three in the first Warriors were one of six. However, Dallas only had a four-point lead at the end of the first quarter. And my tweet was basically an idea that Dallas has done this before. They have had good shooting performances against the Warriors in this series, but they haven't been able to build any separation, which is why the Warriors have been able to eke out wins uh, in games that they probably should have lost. As soon as I sent that tweet, it's it's like I'm the the Skip Bayless to the Dallas Mavericks or something. They took it to heart, uh, and they had a huge second and third quarters and finally built a huge, huge lead. It was almost 30 points, I think, at one point, um, even though the Warriors did make a big run at it in the fourth quarter because the Warriors have owned the fourth quarter, not just in this series, but all postseason. Uh, it was still, they dug themselves a little too big of a hole to climb out of. Yeah, the Mavericks were up by as much as 29 in this game. And you're right, the Warriors were able to make a little bit of a comeback, but Luka closes them out there at the end. I do want to note here, Calvin, the Dallas Mavericks are now 3-0 and in elimination games this season. They're playing another elimination game on Thursday, so it'll be interesting to see what happens there. I also got to point out, that when you and I pick, pick the Dallas Mavericks to win a game, they lose. When we yeah. pick against them, they win. So are you still rocking with the Warriors in game five? Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to try to get cute or play any mind tricks uh, or anything like that. Uh, I think the Warriors will win this series. I'm going to pick them as long as the series goes. Even if it's all the way to game seven, I will still pick Golden State to win. Sorry, Mike, uh, that's just the way it goes. Um, they're the better team, in my opinion. Uh, I thought Phoenix was the better team as well, so I picked Phoenix to win despite Dallas uh, you know, rallying back and, and closing that series out in seven games on the road. Luka is, is amazing, and if anybody has the ability to kind of single-handedly will their team to victory, it's got to be him. I just think that it's hard to win. Uh, I guess that would be if they were to, to come back all the way back and win this series, that would be what six elimination games in a row. That's a very, very difficult thing to do. Going back to last series, of course, with Phoenix. So you're saying they have a chance, Calvin. They do have a chance. It's not a very good one, but they do have a chance. And we have seen this Warriors team blow a 3-1 series lead before, so it is possible. And also, I don't think Mike will be disappointed in you picking the Warriors because when you pick against them... Yeah, that usually bodes well for him. They win. Just to jump into a few more stats here from the game, Draymond Green, 10 points, 6 rebounds, 6 assists, and 2 blocks in this game, 13 points for Andrew Wiggins. Wiggins, only 3 points for Kevon Looney, and uh, six rebounds for him, an assist and a block. As I mentioned, 20 points, five rebounds, eight assists, and a steal for Steph Curry. 12 points for Klay Thompson. 17 big points for Jonathan Kaminga off the bench. 14 points for Jordan Poole before he fouls out in this game. And then the Mavericks, Dorian Finney-Smith. 23 points, nine of 13 from the field, four threes in this game, six rebounds, two assists, (coughs) 
18 points for Reggie Bullock. I mentioned six three-pointers for him. The dude only shot threes in this game. Six of 10 from the field, six of 10 from three-point range. That's a specialist being put in a position to do what he does best. Zero points for Dwight Powell in this game. Only played 12 minutes, uh, one rebound, and a bunch of offers for him. 15 points for Jalen Brunson, five rebounds, five assists, a block. Uh, you mentioned 30-point, almost triple-double for Luka Doncic. 14 rebounds in this game, nine assists, two steals, two blocks. Only three turnovers in this game. 13 points for Maxi Kleba off the bench. And uh, 10 points for Spencer Dinwiddie. Calvin, uh, I'm just going to take the obvious answer out of the equation here in Luka Doncic. But other than Luka, who impressed you most in this game? Well, my answer might surprise people, but the, the players that impressed me most weren't on the Dallas Mavericks. It, it was actually the Warriors bench. Um, when they were down 29 points there in that third quarter, Steve Kerr pulled all his starters. And not only were they going with bench players, but the, the guys out there were all incredibly young. You had Jordan Poole, Jonathan Kaminga, Moses Moody. Poole's the oldest one in that group, and I think he's only 22 years old. So the, those guys really willed this team back to a victory, and it just goes to show how uh, an embarrassment of riches the, the Warriors have on their roster. I, I obviously love Jonathan Kaminga. He's one of, he was one of my favorite players coming out of the draft last year. I thought he played really, really well, um, despite the losing effort, of course. And uh, it, it's just a testament to this team. No matter what the score is, they're, they're always going to battle. They're always going to compete. Um, you know, certainly uh, credit is deserved to the Dallas Mavericks. They won this game. They shot the lights out. You mentioned the specialists like Reggie Bullock. Their team is actually loaded with those players. Maxi Kleber, uh, Davis Bertans, all those guys almost never attempt any shots out inside the three-point line. So that that is Dallas's team. That's how they're built. And if any team embodies the live by the three, die by the three motto, it is this Dallas Mavericks squad. Yeah, and they definitely uh, lived in this game. I want to hear your thoughts on Dorian Finney-Smith because he played exceptionally well. I mentioned 23 points in this game. We saw him have a couple big performances in the series before this. It seems like when he plays exceptionally well, the Mavericks win games. So I want to know from you, is he the X factor on this Mavericks team? And then if you were to rank him as far as best players, I think it's pretty obvious Luka's the best player on this team. A lot of people would consider maybe Jalen Brunson as the second best player. Uh, it's kind of more of an open conversation now that a guy like Porzingis is gone. So where would you rank Dorian Finney-Smith on this roster as far as you know, skill and also importance. Well, he's incredibly important to this team because he's their best defender. Uh, he's a big, versatile wing that can guard multiple positions. They usually throw him on, you know, the the other team's best player or second best player. Um, he's asked to do a lot, and I, you know, I like him as a player. He he's really athletic. When he's shooting well from the outside, he can be very, very deadly. Um, I, I wish he could add a little bit more to his game because I think he could be an even better player in this league. They just, the way the Mavericks run their offense, uh, they don't really let anybody do anything out of their, their comfort zone, so to speak, aside from Brunson and Luka. 
So in terms of importance, he's right up there at the top because he has to do both. In order for them to win, he's got to shoot really well, and he has to take on a really tough defensive assignment. Uh, in terms of talent, he's I would probably put him up there tied with Dinwiddie maybe for number three, um, just because he's a two-way player. So even though he doesn't give you quite what those other guys do offensively in Brunson and Dinwiddie, uh, he's far more important to them on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, Progressive G says Finney Smith is the X factor. I agree. I agree. Um, Game five, they're heading back to Golden State on Thursday, tomorrow. What does Dallas need to do to win this game? And how many beers does Luka need to have (laughs) pregame? However many he had before game four, that's how many he should have before game five. I think that answer is simple. And the answer to what the Mavericks need to do to win is also simple. Uh, Again, what they've done all year long is take care of the ball, make sure they spread the floor so Luca has room to get to the basket. That's really one of the main keys here or differences in this game as opposed to the first two games, especially back in San Francisco. The, The Warriors did a really good job of making life very hard for Luca once he tried to drive inside and get to the restricted area. They made him an outside jump shooter, and you have to live with him taking those shots. Sometimes he is going to get really hot and hit them, but his career three-point percentage is not very good overall. Uh, So you definitely will live with him taking those shots. But if he's able to penetrate, get to the paint, that's when he causes all types of problems, as we saw yesterday, because he'll draw two, three defenders, and he has, he's strong enough and skilled enough to shoot over them or get fouled, get to the free throw line, or it's an easy cut from somebody out on the three-point line into the basket, and he finds them for a wide-open layup. So uh, it, the Warriors need to, again, do a better job of limiting him, limiting Luka's touches and shot attempts in the restricted area or in the paint. And Dallas has got to shoot well from three. That, that's what they do. They're, they're going to take a ton of threes, and they have to hit a high percentage of them if they want to win. Yeah, another thing that I noticed out of game four, as opposed to the first few games, and of course, three-point shooting is, is the number one thing, but it was how easy it was for Luka <clears throat> to get into the paint, right? Like, not exactly always to the basket getting the layup, but as, as far as like getting past the first defender, collapsing the defense and kicking it out to those open shooters, maybe part of that is... The Warriors respected the three more in that game because they were actually making threes. But it's just so amazing, this guy, Luka Doncic. You know, we, we talk about he's not the biggest, he's not the fastest, he's not the strongest. All three things that LeBron James has had for the past 15 years, right, that's propelled him. Yet Luka Doncic is able to just get past these guys, whoever's in front of him. He's so crafty. Uh, he's able to get past these guys and then either get to the hoop or find these wide open shooters. It'll be interesting to see what happens here in game five. If the Mavericks are able to sustain shooting like this from three point range, they have a great shot at winning this series. But how sustainable is that? I'm not quite sure. Yeah, that's gonna be the big question uh, moving forward. You know, it's it's kind of similar to what we talked about in the Boston Milwaukee series. Milwaukee was gonna crowd the paint, uh, basically make you shoot a ton of threes and they were going to say, you know, we bet that you can't make enough in order to beat us four games. 
this is kind of the same story here for Dallas. It, it, they will get open looks. Um, the way that they spread the floor all around the three-point line uh, and move the ball, that with the combination of everybody having to eye, have eyes on Luca at all times um, means they're going to get open looks. And, and it's a question of whether or not they knock them down. They, those three guys that I mentioned earlier, Reggie Bullock, uh, Maxi Kleber, Davis Bertans, and even Finney Smith, they shot horribly in game three. And as a result, they lost. They come back with a much, much better game in game four, and it's a different result. And another thing to keep an eye on is the way <clears throat> that Dallas is setting up matchups with Luka. You know, Jordan Poole has been a revelation for Golden State this year. He's had a phenomenal season and really, really improved his game tenfold. However, the one thing that's still lagging behind is his defense. And they are looking to put Luka now in screen and roll situations where they can get him switched onto guys like Jordan Poole. That makes a huge, huge difference in how Golden State defends the Mavericks. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Did you see uh, Luca getting into it with Clay after the game? I did. What's going on there? I mean, it's playoff. It's the playoffs, and this is this shouldn't be a surprise to anyone. We've seen Luca getting into it with just about everybody uh, at this point in the postseason. Clay, I think, actually initiated this one. He he was a little unhappy with the way that Luca stripped the ball and then stared down Moses Moody as time was expiring on the clock. Um, but, you know, it, it's tensions are high. It's the postseason. Um, this didn't even look like that bad of an interaction. You know, it, it's just normal trash talk is what I would chalk it up to in a playoff game. So, you know, as you move on in the postseason and as a series gets longer and longer, um, these th sort of things tend to happen more and more because guys really want it. They want to win. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think it's a big deal. Um, it's probably something that we're going to continue to see, especially if the Mavericks win another game. Yeah, Clay Thompson is, is the absolute last guy on the Warriors <laughs> team that I would expect to get into it with anybody. The dude is so mellow. Uh, but, hey, he's sticking up for his teammates here. We saw Luca get into it with Chris Paul in the, the Sun series. That seemed to be kind of a turning point for them. Could Luca be maybe getting under the skin of some of the Warriors players here? Could he be doing kind of Jordan-esque things in trying to bully guys and get them off their game? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I would say he's more getting under their skin with how he's playing on the court than the words that he's saying. You, you know, I mean, the, the Warriors at this point for especially guys like Draymond, well, we know Draymond doesn't give a crap about what anyone says on the court. He's just going to fire it right back. But it, Draymond, Steph, and Clay, these guys have played in so many big playoff games, NBA Finals games. Um, I don't think you can say anything to them that's really going to rattle them. Uh, you're probably only going to motivate them more. So maybe if it was one of these younger guys like Jordan Poole, uh, you know, or Moses Moody, people that haven't been in this situation before. Yeah, Progressive G is, is 100% right. Luca loves confrontation um so i think it's he would get under their skin more with them not being able to stop him on the court than with anything that he says to these guys yeah i see it as kind of hand in hand right like like jordan right is obviously his play is what dominates the game 
but it's adding that extra competitive spirit, that extra little knock on guys that make people maybe second guess or think a little bit harder. We see trash talkers all the time, right? But the best trash talkers are the guys that can back it up. And Luka Doncic is definitely one of those guys. So it'll be interesting to see what happens here tomorrow. But it might have turned into an exciting series. Nobody likes a sweep. Maybe if you're a Warriors fan, you do. Yeah. But uh, Mavericks get a win here. They shoot well. They played their type of game. It'll be interesting to see what happens in game five. Yes, it will. All right. Next up on the menu here, the All-NBA First Team has officially been released. Five players here. Devin Booker, Luka Doncic, Jason Tatum, Yantis Antetokounmpo, and Nikola Jokic. What do you think about this list, Calvin? I mean, a tremendous group of players, right? It's uh, You really have to nitpick if you want to make real changes to any of these lists because all of these guys are fantastic players and played really, really well this season. Um, it, it does seem to be a an underlying theme that most people believe Devin Booker didn't deserve first team. Um, you know, I look at a guy like Joel Embiid, who I, I realize is a center and, and not a guard. Um, but maybe when you do these teams, you kind of have to just get away or throw away positions in general and just pick the five best players that deserve to be on the list. Because I feel that Joel Embiid should absolutely have been a first team All NBA player this year. I'm sure Philadelphia might uh, might give him that award. We'll see what happens there. <laughs> But you're right, you know, we've seen it in the past where they actually eliminated the center position from all-star games and stuff like that. I think it needs to go to the five best players as well. If it's called the all-NBA first team, it needs to be the five best players in the NBA. But at the same time, Devin Booker had an amazing season, played on one of the best teams in the league. Uh, So, you know, it's really hard to determine because... As we've mentioned in the past, there's so many good players in the NBA now. The, the talent level is just so much different than it was 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago. It's really hard to choose. The thing that really stood out to me most about this list, no LeBron James, no Steph Curry, no Kevin Durant, no Anthony Davis, no Kawhi yep. Leonard, these are guys that we've been used to seeing on this list over the past yes. 10 plus seasons. To, to be fair, Steph Curry and LeBron did make all NBA teams, just not first team all NBA. Yeah, uh, I'm not going to go back and look at all of them, but I, I just, you know, venture a guess. <laughs> I think Steph to see, was second team and LeBron was third team. Yeah, but I'd venture a guess to see when was the last time that none of those guys made an all NBA first team, right? It, it has to be. Yeah, that's true. That's true. 15, it, it, 15 years ago, it, maybe. Well, maybe. Gosh, it would be interesting to find out actually what the answer is, but uh, it, it just goes to show how much great young talent there is in the league. It's, it's something that we've talked about a lot on this show. Um, and, and you've got all these guys. I mean, John Morant, second team, I think all NBA this year also probably had a really good case for first team all nba as well uh jason tatum luca you know these guys are all 25 and under so they're going to be around for a very very long time it it really is you're seeing the changing of the guard in the nba as we speak can you uh point to a best player on this list oh man that that's really really tough i mean 
that's like, you know, asking me, <laughs> what do you like better, ice cream or chocolate cake or something like that? They're both good. I mean, how do you pick between all these great players? Yeah, yeah, it's tough. I, I know you and are. It's really hard, too, when you have to start comparing, you know, guys that play point guard and guys that play center. It, it starts to get even more difficult to determine who is actually better. They, they both go about things so differently. So I, I would be happy with any of these guys on this list on my team. Okay. I'm still picking Giannis at this point. Um, however, like we mentioned in the past, Jason Tatum is definitely getting up there on my list as well as far as best player in the NBA. But you're right. There's no wrong answer here or right answer here. All incredible players. Congratulations to all of them. Very well deserved. It's always good to get recognition. Only one player wins MVP. Now there's multiple players that win conference MVPs, finals MVPs, all that. But I'm just saying as far as league-wide for the regular season, only one player wins the MVP award. Only one team wins the NBA championship every year. So getting recognition by being on an all-NBA first team, maybe it's not a, a, consul- a consolation prize, but it, it feels good to get some recognition for the hard work that you've put in. So congratulations oh, it, to all those players. Making first team all-NBA is an incredibly big deal. I, I mean, that's one of the determining factors in eventually becoming a Hall of Famer. How many times do you make it on that list? These guys get bonuses big time for making first team all NBA. So it's a very big deal. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. In other news, CBS Sports reports today that the Nets are unwilling to give Kyrie Irving a long term extension. A lot of drama between the Nets and Kyrie over the last year or two. What what's going on here, Calvin? I mean, you and I talked about this in the past. And it seems to be coming to fruition here. Kyrie Irving's put himself in a tough spot, and the Nets are basically calling his bluff or or being equally as tough. Yeah, it, Kyrie is the boy who cried wolf in the NBA at this point. I, I don't see how you can blame Sean Marks for, for having this stance. I, I mean, you're asking a, an organization, a franchise, to commit hundreds of millions of dollars to a guy that they're just unsure of whether or not he's going to decide he wants to play. I mean, that's essentially what it comes down to here. You know, Kyrie can say all this other stuff that he's doing it for specific reasons and they're bigger than basketball. And a lot of that might be true, but at the end of the day, you get paid and you have a responsibility to play for your teammates and for your coaches and for your fans, that's the reason he makes the amount of money that he does. So if he's going to continue to be wishy-washy and, and uh, not you know, fully commit himself to this team, then I don't see how, as a, a business person, you can confidently say, yes, we need to pay this guy as much money as he could potentially be worth here. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a very tricky subject, right? Like, Yes, there are things bigger than basketball. That's very, very true. And it's a very accurate statement. But at the same time, you're right. This is your job. This is your profession. If you're working at McDonald's and you don't show up one day and you're like, this is bigger than McDonald's, that might be true, but your boss is not going to be happy with you and probably not going to want you to work there anymore, right? So it is tough. The difference is 
if you're working at McDonald's, you don't make that decision because you need that money, right? Versus yeah. if you're a guy like Kyrie Irving, you've made your bag already. Yes, another $100, $200 million would be great, but the fact that he's probably secured, most likely secured for the rest of his life, there are things that are bigger and more important than basketball, and that will continue to happen. So the question I have for you, Calvin, if you're the Nets, are you thinking about trading Kyrie at this point? Well, I think that probably all scenarios are on the table at the at this current moment, especially if you've decided that you're not willing to offer him, you know, the long term max deal. Uh, so at that point, you've got to evaluate what your options are here. Both Kyrie and the Nets organization are, are going to do that over the course of this off season. Um, and certainly, I think if you if Kyrie is uh, disappointed with this or upset by this, um, that might cause even more problems in terms of him not wanting to play, or uh, maybe he comes out and demands that he gets traded because he wants uh, to go somewhere that that uh, go play for a team that will pay him all that money, that max contract. So, yeah, I, I and especially if you're the Nets, you don't want to lose Kyrie Irving for nothing. You know, it's kind of like what we're talking about with DeAndre Ayton and the Suns. Or Zach Levine and the Bulls, you know, doing a sign and trade. That that's a worst case scenario for for the organization. So uh, it's certainly a topic I think that will be discussed. Yeah, I think uh, Kyrie's agent is the real loser here, right? He is the guy that's in the toughest position at this moment. We've seen in the past superstars, LeBron James specifically put pressure on his organization by not signing a long-term deal, right? He signed these kind of one-in-one deals, which is one year guaranteed, one year with a player option. So it was like, okay, organization, if you're not committed to winning, you're not bringing in players, you're not spending the money to do what we need to do to get to the finals, I can opt out and move on. Now, that puts all the notice and all the pressure on the team, and it gives LeBron the opportunity Kyrie's not in that same position. It's almost like it's flipped here. You know, if, if you're the team, do you offer him uh, maybe a one-year max deal with a second-year uh, team option? So you're like, okay, Kyrie, if, if we like what we saw from you this season, we'll bring you back next year. But then again, is Kyrie going to accept that? Is his ego going to allow him to give all the, the you know power back to the team and out of his hands, he doesn't come across me as one of those guys. So it's a very, very tricky situation. Any thoughts here on what the outcome of this will be? Man, that is, anytime you're dealing with Kyrie Irving, trying to predict what's going to happen is about as easy as winning the lottery. Like it, it's such a <laughs> shot in the dark. I have no idea what will happen with him. I, I really believe that the Nets don't, they want him on that team yeah. ultimately. I don't think they want to see him leave or be traded, um, but it, it might, that's what it might have to come to. So we've got, the off season hasn't even really officially started yet. There's a long way to go. This will probably take multiple turns between now and October and the start of training camp or, or preseason. So I'm really unsure of what to say for the answer to that question. Yeah, and not only the Nets, Kevin Durant seems to want yeah. Kyrie on the team. And Kevin Durant 
is the guy the Nets really need to worry about. So that just kind of muddies the water a little bit more here in this situation. But hey, for us fans, it's exciting to see, right? <laughs> like this gives us more things to talk about, yeah. more drama, more things happening this offseason. Progressive G's asking Kyrie Irving for Russell Westbrook. We talked about that a little bit on yesterday's show. That's a tough trade, man. You know, we talked about maybe the Nets would be unwilling to do that because they'd be taking yeah. on a guy like Westbrook. The Lakers might like that deal and getting Kyrie Irving, but it oh, really I think depends. The Lakers would love that deal. But it really Absolutely depends on what happens here as far as the pandemic goes, right? We're starting to see people yeah. having to wear masks again. We're starting to see, you know, lockdowns in certain places. If the vaccine mandate comes back in certain cities, you got to think New York, LA, those are our kind of major targets, right? And he'd be playing in either of those two cities in this trade. LeBron would not be happy having Kyrie there part-time. And the Nets would probably be happy to have Westbrook there full-time, right? As, as, yeah. as better as Kyrie is over Westbrook, a full-time Westbrook, in my opinion, is better than a part-time player, any, any player, right? Um, yeah, it, it's only better if you surround the, if you fill out the rest of the roster with the right pieces. I mean, that, that's what we saw in LA, right? Like it, it didn't work with Westbrook there. Um, part of that was injuries. You know, LeBron missed a bunch of games. Obviously Anthony Davis missed a ton of games as well, but, uh, this is a Nets team that they've got, uh, Seth Curry. Now Joe Harris is going to be coming back. They, if you add, if you trade Kyrie for Westbrook, you need shooting on that team. Yep. Absolutely. And Durant, Joe Harris, uh, and Seth Curry would be a great start. So it, it would be interesting just to see how the Nets would go about filling out the rest of that roster. The biggest question for me in this trade, last time that Kyrie and LeBron played together, Kyrie requested a trade because he didn't want to play with LeBron or be in LeBron's shadow or whatever that that was the rumor that was going around. If this trade were to go through, does Kyrie refuse to play in L.A.? Does he refuse to play with LeBron? Does he request another trade? That, for me, is, is a whole nother, uh, you know, entertaining factor to this, right? Yeah, I, I don't think he would. Kyrie has done a lot of interviews over the past couple of seasons reminiscing about his time with LeBron, and, and he said things like, if he knew what he knew now or if he was more mature or as mature as he is now, even though some people would say he maybe isn't that mature, but that's another <laughs> story. Um, but he says things like that. If he had that same mindset back when he was playing with LeBron in Cleveland, they would never have broken up and they would have won, you know, three or four more championships. So I, I think he, he definitely, uh, it, it's one of those things you don't know how good you have it until it's gone sort of a, a situation I think he would welcome playing with LeBron again. Sounds like a, a story that I've heard from uh, many friends uh, re reminiscing on ex-girlfriends and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, man, what a what a weird future we live in here in the NBA. But it's exciting. It's really exciting. It is. That would be a huge, huge storyline, though, to have LeBron and Kyrie uh, reunion and Durant and Westbrook. Um, and the Nets and Lakers would probably shoot right back up to the odds on favorites to win the title next year. <laughs> if a trade like that goes through, who's the better team? Gosh, fully healthy. 
fully healthy. Well, I don't know because the Lakers, you know, they still have a lot of work to do filling out the rest of their roster, who who they bring back. They've got guys who were on uh, one-year deals this year, like Malik Monk, for example, who was so good for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, do they re-sign him? Uh, and then with the Nets, you know, it's going to be – the big question for them is going to be Ben Simmons, right? It was also uh, reported today that Ben Simmons expects to be ready for training camp after having back surgery Fingers crossed, Nets fans, right, that he actually is ready by training <laughs> camp, both mentally and physically. But so the, those are the two question marks, I think, for for both teams in terms of how good can they be. Is Ben Simmons going to be healthy, available for the, the season opener, and how many games do you expect him to actually play? And then for the Lakers, you know, yes, Kyrie, LeBron, Anthony Davis, that's a great start, but what does the rest of the team around them look like? What the hell does expected to be ready mean? That's like a maybe (laughs) probably, right? Like it's just two terms used that do not signify anything set in stone. (laughs) Yes. All right. I would lean towards the Nets being a better team, though, just because they went through so many uh, either injury or COVID or uh, Kyrie issues where they didn't have their full lineup available if you get Joe Harris back 100%, um, you trade Kyrie away for Russell Westbrook, who you expect to play a ton of games. I, I have more confidence in the Nets having a complete healthy roster for day one uh, of next season than the, I do for the Lakers. Interesting, interesting. And well, that's with Ben Simmons. <laughs> okay, okay. You ready to talk about today's game? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, you have some injury updates for me? Yeah. Um, So obviously it it involves the same group of players every game here that we're talking about in this series. Tyler Hero missed game four with a groin injury. He's been upgraded to questionable for game five. We'll test it, you know, and shoot around and, and and all that stuff and probably a game time decision. The big news for the Miami Heat is Jimmy Butler is not even listed on the injury report. So We know he's been dealing with the knee problem, knee inflammation. Uh, It's been an ongoing thing since the first round with the Atlanta Hawks, I think. Uh, But he is, he's the key for them. If he's going to be the Jimmy Butler that we've come to know and see in these playoffs, Miami's got a really, really good chance. But if that knee is still bothering him, then they might be in trouble. Uh, And then for the Boston Celtics, again, Robert Williams and Marcus Smart, both going to be game time decisions. Williams dealing with the knee injury and Marcus Smart dealing with a sprained ankle. They will both test the, their bodies as well in shoot around and warm ups. Um, and Robert Williams, as important as Marcus Smart is to the team, Robert Williams, I think, is the big, bigger issue here for the Celtics. And that's because of Bam out of bio. His numbers in games one, two, and four, which are the games that Robert Williams played are not very good at all, only averaging like eight and a half points a game. Um, but that one game three that Robert Williams did not play in, he had 31 points. So Miami really needs to find a way to get him going and not having to go against Robert Williams is apparently a big key. <laughs> yeah, this is game five. They're returning <clears throat> back to Miami. Boston's actually favored by three in this game, which is incredible. We saw a blowout in game four back in Boston. Miami shot horrible in that game. 
My question for you, Calvin, just like the Dallas Mavericks did last night, re returning home or, or having a home game, Miami is on their way back home. Uh, are they going to shoot much better in this game? I mean, you would expect them to, right? Because they're at home. Um, and also just the number of good shooters on this team, it, it's unlikely that every single one of them has a, a horrible shooting night again. Uh, Max Struess has been really good for this team at home. He had an abysmal game four. Um, same thing for guys like Gabe Vincent. He's played much, much better at home. And, and remember, they didn't even have Tyler Hero for game four. So if he plays, that just gives you another body out there uh, who could really go off and, and hit you know a ton of threes in this game. Who you got winning this game? Man, this is tough. I I still am sticking with Boston to win this series. I think that the team that wins this game tonight will go on to win the series, whoever it is. Jimmy Butler, to me, is the big question mark slash X factor. Uh, yeah. if, he, if he plays to the level that he's capable of, we've seen in the past, in this postseason very recently, that he can dominate a game and lead his team to victory. So... I'm a little torn here, but I'm going to go with Boston ultimately to win. Okay. I'm picking Miami to win this game. I also got them going to the finals. I'm sticking with it. It's tied 2-2. It's heading back to Miami right now. They played horribly in game four, but I feel like sometimes you have a game like that. You just got to move on. You can't you know, think about that too much. I think that's exactly what Miami's doing here. It's tied 2-2. Game 5 is in Miami. Does that give Miami any form of advantage here? Yeah, it definitely gives them some advantage. But Boston has won in Miami already in this series. They're not going to be uh, afraid of the moment or anything like that. Jason Tatum said you know, earlier today that they need to keep their foot on the gas pedal. They can't let up. Uh, this is, you know, and a very, very important game in a series tied 2-2. This is a pivotal game five. So um, the the key for Miami is they've got to find a way to force some turnovers and get out in transition. That That is when they are at their absolute best. They're undersized playing in the half court. Um, you know, they're really, really good at switching ball screens and things like that. They've got people, even their big men that can, switch out and guard smaller guards on the perimeter, but they they really need to manufacture easy points for themselves by getting out and running. And that also creates wide open threes in transition, which is one of their bread and butter parts of their offense as well. So that's the ultimate key for me to this game is do the Celtics take care of the ball? We've seen when they get sloppy with it, that's when Miami goes on these huge runs mm -hmm. uh, and wins the game ultimately. That kind of leads me into my next question here. Why do you think Boston's defense has been so stifling on a red-hot Miami Heat team that's been so exceptional this season on offense? Well, I think it's really due to the adjustments that they're making on uh, how Miami gets themselves open for shots, right? Like, when you look at what Boston has done in this series, they're, they're going under every screen and roll involving PJ Tucker and Jimmy Butler um, because they know that they need to be ready to leak out to the other guys who are the actual dangerous three point shooters. 
if they need to. Um, and Jimmy Butler, you know, as good, as hot as he can get at times, he's really inconsistent with his outside shooting, especially when he got a bad knee. Um, so, and they've also gone to different adjustments like putting Robert Williams on Jimmy Butler because he's a big body that can handle him inside. Jimmy loves to post up, but Robert Williams doesn't have to come all the way out and defend him at the three-point line. So that's been a, a really critical adjustment that the Celtics have made. Uh, they're doing a really great job blitzing those dribble handoffs as well. That's how they get guys like Tyler Hero um, and Max Struess open for three-point shots. And they're they're crowding the paint. Uh, they're making it hard for Miami to get inside, which is why Bam has such a problem going against both Robert Williams and Al Horford. We, we saw him do work when it was just Al Horford in there, but having Robert Williams to come over as a help side defender makes it much more difficult for him to score inside. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Shout out to Key Kings. I see you here in the chat, and it looks like Matthew wants to be uh, noticed now in the chat and not unnoticed. So Matthew has a question for you. Do the Warriors beat the Celtics? Do the Warriors beat the Heat? I think Matthew's getting a little ahead of himself here because the Mavericks are still here, right? You know, they still have a chance. They are. They're hanging on by a thread. They're, they're hanging on here. So who has a better chance of beating the Warriors? I like Boston uh, better. I, I think Boston is the best team overall left in the postseason. Um, their, their, their ability to affect the game, both offensively and defensively, they've got two amazing one-on-one -on -one players that can go for 40 on any given night. They're surrounded with a really well-complemented group of players. Uh, Robert Williams gives them the lob threat inside. They have the shooters outside. Um, they haven't always performed, but guys like Grant Williams, Marcus Smart, Peyton Pritchard, uh, those guys have really given them a big lift in terms of outside shooting. And then they're the best defensive team in the NBA, mm -hmm. uh, which is why I give them the this, this slight nod. Yep, yep. I can agree with that. All right, let's, uh, let's open it up here to Q&A. If you guys have questions, go ahead and post them there in the chat, and Calvin and I will try our best to answer them. First off, Key King says Celtics might win the chip this year. Not going to lie. It's a good pick. I would never count out the Warriors if they do end up winning the West and, and making the finals. Uh, you know, when you've got Curry and Clay uh, and the, the great young players that they've got on their team and Draymond, um, they could certainly find a way to pull it out. But I, I do think that Boston has the best chance, I would say, of any team left. Barring health, of course, yep. for all these teams. Yeah, Matthew says, if Boston wins the championship, they pull ahead of the Lakers for all-time <clears throat> championships, which I know is uh, really important to Boston fans and uh, also important to Lakers fans as well. So it'll be interesting to see what happens here. This team, even if they don't win the championship, they deserve a lot of recognition and awards for the way they were able to turn around this season, right? Like they start off oh, the yeah. season pretty rough. You and I were even talking about it early on, right? Like on Royal Rebounds, should Boston consider trading Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown? Who should they pick? Do these guys really work together? What else do they need? They end up turning around. They had the best record in the NBA from the All-Star break on. It they're, wasn't even close. Yeah, they're <laughs> two wins away from going to the NBA Finals. 
incredible team, incredible team. They really made some amazing change. Jason Tatum individually made an incredible adjustment to his season. I think through the first quarter of the year, he had the most missed field goal attempts in the entire league. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he ends up becoming a, or getting on first team all NBA by the end of the year. So their whole team turned it around big time. Drug test them. Who's your favorite to win the title at this point? I'm going with Boston. Uh, Again, as long as, everybody is healthy. I think they're the best team remaining. They're the best defensive team in the league. Tatum and Brown have been phenomenal on offense. Um, and if they get the complementary pieces hitting outside shots, uh, they're very, very difficult to beat. Yep. Yep. Especially four times in a series. Progressive G points out that they got better after getting rid of Gordon Hayward yeah, the Gordon yep. Hayward experiment in, in Boston was a rough one, right? We saw the very first game of the season after signing that new contract. He fractures his ankle. Very, very scary injury uh, yeah. on live television. That basically set the tone for his career in Boston, which was quite unfortunate. Uh, they, they experimented with a bunch of players, though. It, in my yeah. opinion, the best move that they made was committing to Marcus Smart at point guard. You know, they they tried Terry Rozier. They had Kemba Walker. Yep. Um, yep. And those guys played well for them, but it wasn't the right pieces around, like you were just talking about, building around Tatum and Brown. Marcus Smart, he compliments them perfectly, and committing to him at point guard was probably one of the best decisions that they made. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Key King says, how would you grade Brad Stevens' new role? I mean, I don't see how you could give him a, a bad grade at this point. He he decided to make Ime Odoka head coach, which maybe through the first quarter to half of the season you were thinking was perhaps a mistake. But uh, we all would agree now that he is definitely the man uh, to lead this team. Um, the moves that they made, getting rid of Gordon Hayward, getting rid of Kemba Walker, uh, I'm sure that he was an integral part in, in all of those, even before he moved up into the front office. So I don't see how you could give him a poor grade at this point. Maybe it's not an A, but it can't be much lower than a B plus or B. <laughs> yeah, I think he's done a great job. And, and any team that's almost making it to the NBA Finals potentially could make it and win a championship. It's not a, it's not a specific player. It's not a specific team it's everybody on that franchise that's responsible right it starts at ownership it's management coaching players all that stuff adding together so everybody in that franchise is getting a good grade for me at this point for sure and let's not forget the the willingness to go out and re-sign al horford right after he had a horrible season in philadelphia he's getting older they trusted him to be a solid part of this team and he has paid them back tenfold especially in the playoffs yep yeah shout out to matthew here he posted a cowbell question on one of our videos a couple days ago i forgot to bring it up yesterday because uh, i was in a little bit of a hurry to make it to uh to dinner with the family uh but i'll ask it again here um he wants to know why we always i'm he's talking about the kings here why we always get criticized for player development failures but our player personnel are always talked up so much as people who are very good. That's a great question. 
Matthew, I don't, I don't know how to answer it, honestly, um, because you're right. They do. Rico Hines, all those guys, they, they get talked about like they're the best in the business. Um, but the Kings as a team, you know, don't seem to quite follow through, uh, you know, with, in terms of the players and their, their play on the court. So uh, that's, that's a question I don't have an answer for. <laughs> I'll, I'll throw an answer out for you here, Matthew. Uh, so just as I was mentioning with the Boston Celtics, it's not one player, one staff member, one thing. It really takes the entire organization to not only succeed as a team, but to help these players succeed as well. We've seen many players with the Sacramento Kings go on to thrive with other teams, Hassan Whiteside, Isaiah Thomas, even Ben McLemore, just to name a few, have had very productive careers outside of Sacramento. The problem with Sacramento is, or one of the problems, has been instability, right? In, in the coaching staff, in management, in all that stuff. And that really makes it tough on players. It's hard to, to uh, develop yourself when your coach is changing, when your player style or play style is changing, and all the players around you are constantly moving. We've seen these guys, once they get to stable or environments, they tend to play better. I see some stability coming here to Sacramento. So uh, I'm bright on the future for the Kings. I'm going to say it again. Kings are making the playoffs next season. We'll see what happens with the fourth pick here. But we're starting to see some stability here in the franchise. And then I think you're really going to see some of these guys like Rico Hines really shine. That's a really good point, Barry. That, that thought was actually coming into my head as you were saying it, especially uh talking about the, the the head coaching staff and the fact that there's been a ton of turnover in Sacramento. When you think of the teams that in your mind are the best at developing players, the Warriors, uh, the Heat, the Celtics, they've all had a lot of stability within their head coaching staff for a long time. Um, even, you know, when they make a change, it, it's not one change one year and then two years later, they make another change. It, they have uh, long tenures as head coach and and those guys have specific styles that they work with um, and in order to succeed as a player you have to fit into that style so i think that's a very very good point yep t king says crazy that brad's done more than danny ainge uh i don't know if i exactly agree with that danny has danny been Ainge did a lot for that team yeah i mean they wouldn't have jason tatum if it wasn't for danny Ainge. so and they wouldn't have brad stevens either so that's you know, true. Danny that's has true. done a lot for the Celtics and part of being a good manager is hiring people that are smarter than you. Right. So yeah. Danny has done a great job at that, bringing in players, bringing in staff, bringing in people to this organization. So you got to give a lot of credit to Danny Ainge. Brad Stevens is, is a very bright person, uh, but it, it's a team wide thing. Right. It, it's not one person. Right. Yeah, it's kind of it's a very different situation but kind of the same thing as you know how much credit do you give uh sam hinky for where the sixers are at right now right yes. he laid down the foundation even though it was a rough way to go about it they had to endure a lot of losses um they probably aren't in the position they're in now without him so yeah yeah key kings at this point uh the Kings are not cursed. The only thing that's cursed about the Kings are the fans are cursing at ownership and management. Uh, <laughs> you know, we like to think positive uh, here. Um, the, the franchise is not cursed. They've just made a, a, a bunch of bad decisions 
and they've just kind of snowballed into something that we have now. But I don't think the franchise so the, is cursed. The frozen envelope is not a curse. Yeah, this is this is nothing like the Cubs, right? Oh man, you just had to throw that out there. I mean, that was a curse, right? I I don't know how many I mean, years. One hundred and eight. Yeah, yeah. So we we need to uh, we need a a few more decades of losing before <laughs> we can call it a curse. In in my opinion, um, Progressive G wants to know thoughts on Kerr's pregame press conference yesterday. This is a tough one for us. Um, all I'm going to say on this matter is the fact that on this channel, we try and stay away from politics. The reason we do that is because we feel that politics, as important as they are in our society, they divide people. And the goal of this channel is to bring people together. We don't like dividing people. Uh, Coach Kerr has been very adamant about the things that are important to him. And, you know, I give him all the credit in the world. The dude is an amazing individual, amazing coach. Everything he's done is, has been amazing. Um, we just we just try and stay away from political things on the channel because we want to bring people together instead of dividing them. Any thoughts, Cal? Um, yeah, I agree with that. Um, but at the same time, school shootings, uh, while politics might be involved in those things, I think you're not a human being if you don't agree with what Steve Kerr was saying, that something needs to be done. This has we have to find a way to stop this. I mean, the, the numbers are just so ridiculously absurd. I, I saw a post <clears throat> the other day that there's been, you know, close to 300 school shootings in this country um, in, I forget how, what period of time it was, but no other country in the world has more than like six. So it, it's just, it, it's awful. Um, it sucks. I, I really feel for the families and the victims that were affected in this and all the other tragedies uh, and I'm proud of Steve Kerr for using his platform to to voice his opinion on this. It, it's much, much needed, but yeah, it, it's it, that's all I'll say about it. it. It was good to hear somebody stand up about it, but we're, we're done. <clears throat> yep. Key King says, is Rico staying with the Kings or no news on that? I have not heard any news. Calvin, have you? I have not heard any news either. I, I do hope he stays, and I, I would lean towards the fact that he will be staying with the franchise. I don't see any reason for them to move on from him. Uh, but then again, we never know. It's Sacramento, right? And uh, yeah, Matthew, the puke guy, you know, that could be considered a curse. Um, I think he definitely cursed Luke Walton, though. <laughs> he may have. He may have. All right, you guys got any more questions for us? We appreciate you guys all for joining us here. Um, you know, we got another awesome day of basketball. Hopefully you guys have some time to catch the game. We will also be back here on the channel tomorrow. And uh, please like this video, please subscribe to the channel, please share this video with all your favorite sports fans. We appreciate you guys all for taking the time to hang out with us. We know there are a million different distractions, a billion different distractions in the world. And the fact that you choose to spend some time here with us, it means a lot to us and we, we greatly appreciate all of you. So thank you guys so much. If you guys have any more questions, feel free to drop them here in the chat. We'll hang around for a little bit longer and then we'll wrap up the show. All right.
blah, blah, blah. If any social issue that lives depends on is considered a political issue that we can't talk about in the many, many places that aren't business related, we are in trouble. Yeah, yeah, Matthew, you know, we all agree that it's wrong, right? That's something that we all agree on. People should not be losing lives. Like we all agree that's wrong. There's different ways to kind of go after solutions for this. And that's the thing that we want to stay away from. Yes, things need to change, but we don't want to get into a debate on guns and this and that and all these things because we feel that that divides people. But I think we can all agree that violence is not a good thing. And uh, yeah, it's unfortunate. Hopefully the politicians that we, you know, elect can do their job. That's their job, right? So hopefully we can figure it out because we don't want anybody dying. We don't. That's that's not a good thing. All right. Calvin, are you working today? I sure am. It's my Friday, though. All right. The next two days. I know Asha said at the Marriott they're wearing masks again. Are you having to wear a mask as well? Uh, it's a little complicated. We're required now to wear masks when we are inside, but when we are outside, we are not required. And the guests that stay at the hotel are not required to wear masks anywhere. So it's a little interesting. Um, I, as you know, work mostly outside because I work on a pool deck. Yeah. So I do have to go inside to the kitchen to get food and things like that. <laughs> it is pretty annoying, I will have to say, to constantly be putting on and taking off the mask. I'd almost rather just wear it 100% of the time, but that's a, another story. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. That's craziness. Hopefully this thing doesn't last forever because I don't know yeah. what I'll do with myself. <laughs> uh, Progressive G says, who do you think the Kings are favored to pick at this point? You want to give kind of an update you were talking to me about before we started here? Yeah, there are multiple reports coming out of the Kings camp. Uh, James Hamm is one of the people that has reported this, that they are starting to believe it's unlikely the Kings make any selection at number four. The thought seems to be that they're going to use this pick as trade bait to either lure in a veteran win-now player or perhaps move up in the draft and try to target a guy like Chet Holmgren. So it, if... I had to guess right now, and I said this even before the draft lottery, I didn't think that the Kings were going to use their first round pick no matter where it fell. So I think they do trade this pick ultimately. James Hamster says they're trading the pick. So we'll see <laughs> what happens here. Matthew, you're awesome, dude. Thank you so much. Um, but yeah, it, it's going to be an interesting uh, couple weeks here. The draft's actually less than a month away at this point, right? Yeah. So that's uh that's very exciting. I am I am very very excited for it. All right, any last questions here? Uh, Jeremiah, thank you for joining us. We appreciate the shout out. Want to give a, a shout, shout out to you as well. And we're here every Monday through Friday, same time. If you want to join us live, and if uh, you're not available this time, you can always rewatch the show. You can post comments down below, and we'd touch on them during the next episode. Also, if you guys are on the road. We are available on all the podcasts right below me here, uh, so you can listen to us as well. And I just want to say it again. We appreciate you guys so much for watching us. Calvin and I love doing this. It's a lot of fun. We love to talk basketball, and just hanging with you guys is, is awesome. Key King says, regarding the all-NBA teams, do you guys have an honorable mention or surprise? 
Um, man, uh, it's hard to pick an honorable mention because there, there are three teams. So you've got 15 players in there. They're all great, great players. Certainly every team in the league has a really, really solid player on it, right? Like, I mean, Darren Fox, he had a rough start to the year, but he, he finished the, the year with pretty good numbers. The problem is the Kings just weren't very good. So you're not going to get very many votes uh, typically if you're in one of those situations. I think Fred Van Vliet is probably another guy I would throw out there. Um, my biggest question with the All-NBA teams is why wasn't Joel Embiid on the first team? That, that's really all I have. Yeah, I don't know what Joel Embiid did this year, but he definitely pissed off some people. Maybe it's reporters, <laughs> whoever has these votes. Uh, the dude just keeps taking L's. Uh, so hopefully the city of Philadelphia can uh, make him a big banner or a poster or more awards to make him feel better. <laughs> and sorry, Joel, I love you as a player, not meaning to knock. It's just hilarious to me. <laughs> All right, guys, we're going to wrap up the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Like I said, please like, share, and subscribe. We appreciate you all. We will see you tomorrow. And don't forget to tip your bartender.